fortune teller sitting by the side of the river. She got no beads, no crystal ball, no umbrella, yeah. Cause she needs nothing but what's inside. She sees nothing but what's in front of her eyes. The river, the steeple. A seagull in the sky. All right. Hi, everybody, and welcome to what is going to, in fact, be the series finale of Fortune's Wheelhouse. Whew. <laughs> Hard to believe. We have decided after, you know, going through the planetary and zodiacal and numerical and elemental filters that that was kind of what we needed to do um, to kind of look at the 78 cards in that esoterics first way. And we've kind of come to the natural end of what we set out to accomplish. So we've decided to wrap it up with a bang. It's been a, an amazing four-year ride since we started, I think, June 12th of 2017. We've recorded 120 episodes, if you can believe that, if you include the patron readings and the bonus episodes. We've got the Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy Facebook page, which now has 1,080 members. So thanks to all of you for having come along on this ride. It's really been um, a wonderfully exciting journey and it's been a privilege to take it with all of you. So what we're going to do for this final episode is we're going to read for each other kind of in the way that we have for our patron readings but this are you time, sure are you sure we don't want to do the all phallic symbol episode <laughs> it is tempting oh my god it's <laughs> so tempting uh, <laughs> I, th I thought it was actually a kind of a great idea but uh but since we're here and we didn't prepare <laughs> for that episode um i guess we'll just have to take our phalluses where they come up <laughs> <laughs> oh man we're gonna read for mel first and then for me and i'm gonna lay out cards for mel using the rider wade smith deck and mel's gonna lay out cards for me using the thoth deck but we are going to obviously bring in everything we know from other decks mel's decks you know and anything else that we've accumulated as esoteric tarot readers uh we can bring to bear in the process of doing the interpretation. So first, let's talk a little bit, Mel, about what you'd like to read about. You know, we briefly just talked about what we, we thought we would do for readings, and it was interesting to me that we both pretty much came up with a very similar thing to read about. And <laughs> for me, it's that, um, so this is a natural ending, and it's appropriate that we're recording this on uh, the Monday of the full moon. Yes, which just is, before which the solstice. kind of interesting uh, yes. as an as a ending of a cycle, a full moon, yes. but, um, this is an ending of one thing. And so there'll be some new things, uh, some, you know, where nature abhors a vacuum and I'm sure we'll yes. find something to fill the, <laughs> the time that we're gaining from where the podcast work mm -hmm. used to be slotted in. And what I'm thinking about my reading being about is about my artistic practice, my magical practice and artistic practice, because they're both kind of entwined with each other. Mm -hmm. And, 
I'm thinking that what I would like to do with some of my time going forward is is this, and that's um, so since 2007 or 2008, I've basically been working on tarot decks, uh, mm. one after the other with no space in between. I no sooner finish one than start the next one. So basically for, you know, 13 or 14 years now, mm-hmm. my artwork has been almost exclusively all doing the cards. And while I love doing that, I'm thinking that what has been sacrificed in the pursuit of that is doing some more of my what I would call like one-of-a-kind art or one-off art or yeah. things that are more fine art-based or crafts, you know, maker stuff-based mm-hmm. that um, I would like to try to do well still working on the deck I'm working on now because I do have one in progress. But to try to find a way to um, incorporate some uh, these new esoteric magical arts-based ideas that I've kind of been putting on the back burner for years and try to bring them to the forefront, just some new energy and some new projects. That's kind of what I'm interested in learning. Like, what will that be like? What's a good way to focus? I do have many different things. What's what could be good focus for that and new ways of also relating to the audience now that we're not um, doing this podcast. Yes, yes, absolutely. First of all, can you say a little bit about the deck you're working on and also some of the ideas you've had for going forward with new projects that are not tarot related? Well, the deck I'm currently working on now, well, I'm exactly halfway through the miners cards now because I started doing the drawings during the deck in itself. Mm-hmm. So as kind of like a, deck and walk thing like you did with yeah the writings on the cards you did for 36 secrets so basically i'm doing the line artwork for each minor two through ten during the 10 day or so period Mm -hmm. that it is all about after doing some ritual that's the deck um and it's also based on the descriptions of the cards that are in Crowley's 777. So he's got in, in 777 both descriptions of the major arcana um, and descriptions of the 36 magical Deccan images. And right. so I'm basically using those as a starting point for the image. What's the name of the deck? Well, I do have a name for it, but I'm waiting to... Uh, Mm. I'm just marinating on it for a while before yeah. I um, say more about that. <laughs> All right. And what are some of the other projects you're contemplating right now? Uh, there's quite a few of them. They're all based on, I guess if you had to sum up what's common about them, is that they're all based on somehow illustrating certain magical works not all by Crowley some uh much older than that you know I have your beautiful uh vision of the universal mercury in my office was that a one-off as well I'm not sure that one like I originally it was another deck I started and abandoned Mm -hmm. and I, I think I got up through the empress and then I decided I wanted to change what medium I was working with and so I kind of dropped that one and in that deck I had done I think two or three different Mercuries and wasn't quite sure, but that was the one I liked the best of the three. And But mm-hmm. it was originally part of a deck, but it's one that I don't know if I'll ever pick back up again or not. I see. Yeah. So 
maybe what we could do is start by drawing a card, you know, well, for your work, your ongoing work with tarot, with the Decanic deck, but also a card um, for the other projects that you're beginning now and where you might be going with them. Do you think that we need to break down, you know, your future projects in a more specific way or are they kind of all in one conceptual pool for you? Hmm. That's a that's a good idea. Well, as of now, it's it's kind of in one conceptual pool because each one of them would be an undertaking and I mm-hmm. don't think I can do them all at once. So I have right. to settle on what I can do and I'm not sure. I have, let's see, one, two, maybe three distinct possibilities in that area and then the, then there's all the maker stuff because I do like yeah. you know handcrafted stuff as well as you know fine arts stuff you know mm-hmm. um, should we sort 3D of 3d rather than 2d <laughs> yeah totally should we have one card for tarot related stuff one card for fine art related stuff one card for maker related stuff does that feel like you know how you might think about it um yeah Okay, we'll do that. I'm going to split the deck in three, and then I'm going to draw one card from each of these. I'm going to start on my left with the tarot-related stuff. Yeah, this is it. One for the fine art-related projects. This one. One for the maker-related projects. Yeah, this is the one. All right. For the tarot-related project, we have (laughs) the star. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. For the fine arts one, we have the hierophant. This is literally my draw today. The star and the hierophant. This is the hierophant reversed, but, you know. Uh, And then for the maker-related stuff, we have... The Eight of Pentacles. You're <laughs> shitting me. Sorry for swearing. Uh, no, like we've so, ever cared about swearing before. But it's so that's like... That's so literal. It's so freaking literal. So, you know, I mean, obviously the maker stuff, here's the maker, right? You know, just right. working Pounding away. Pounding out the pentacles. Pounding out the pentacles. Every day the same. Well, actually, you know, I mean, I do think that the fact that you're getting a minor in that position says to me that this like a skill that you can be working on in a sort of non-concentrated way every day at some level. Mm. You know, these are things that you live with and get better with rather than like bringing your life to a stop. And it's almost as though for that one, there's a degree of being a student again. Yeah. As opposed yeah, that's to, true. you know, a kind of apprenticeship vibe to that. Unlike the other ones, especially the Hierophant, where, you know, there is this sense that you are really ready to bring it to the masses. <laughs> yeah. And the, it's the Hierophant is really interesting as well, because those fine art works that um projects that I have in mind and have wanted to do for quite some time, they all have to do with basically books. They're, they're not <laughs> writing books. They're illustrating certain books. Oh my God. Wow. So yeah. That's kind of perfect, right? It is. It is. It's sort of like, you taking the material that's already there, that's already established, you know, the text of the Hierophant, and then using your ability to fashion keys to open it up through art. Which yeah, I think a bridge is kind from the word to the to the page. Yeah. yeah, and that, you know, I think that 
one of the things the Hierophant does is make mysteries more accessible, right, to more people. Mm. And that maybe in some ways a visual medium might help to do that with some of these texts that might be more obscure, because not everyone can read what you read. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. The star mm -hmm. is the tarot one in a way to me is, well, on the one hand, it's like really a beautiful message. On the other hand, it's like, yeah, that's what I'm mm -hmm. in the sense of the star as being this chaseable ideal. Mm -hmm. It, it, that kind of seems like what I'm always doing. I'm always going to probably be making another deck, another deck, another exactly. deck. Exactly. I think deck, that's to, true. You know, chase this um, ideal. I think it's arrow. kind of just part of who you are. Also because it's tied right in there to your moon, right? And your rising. Mm -hmm. so, and Mars. And Mars. And it's, you know, this this part of you that is just like a way of thinking about the world that you you just can't get away from when you're operating on instruments. Tarot is the instrument that you're operating on. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Looking at the esoteric. So we've got Aquarius for the star and Taurus for the Hierophant, obviously sun in Virgo for the Lord of Prudence for eight of discs. I, I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, you've got the star and the Hierophant, which are both, you know, on the pillar of force. You know, mm -hmm. no matter which way you look at it, that there's an emphasis on, you know, the generative aspect of who you are in this world, on the inspiration and what you have to hand down. And if you read as you do, you know, the star as being up high, right? Yeah, you know, if, if, off if, you're, of if you're placing it up high on the tree like Crowley does, they're both connecting to Hokma. Uh, Hokma, exactly. So there's a kind of a Hokma message for you up there, which I think is interesting also because, you know, Hokma being the sphere of the zodiac, you know, with the work that you're doing, which is the at least the tarot part of it is zodiacal in nature. Yeah, it's all it's all pretty zodiacal based on <laughs> Yeah. The star versus the hierophant. You know, the star there's something They're both fixed. They're both fixed and the star has that because it's airy, I think, that has to do with where your intellectual interests kind of lie, you know, the part of you that does the correspondences and and is in some levels, kind of private, too, you know, in your head, as opposed to the mm -hmm. hierophant being more outward facing. Mm. You know, if you think about the star as being in Rider-Waite-Smith's study versus Hay in, uh, mm -hmm. in, in Thoth, you know, and the, and the hierophant uh, being Vav, the pin or the nail or the connector, the Star, whether you view it as hey or tsadi, is kind of what you reach for, what you look out for, you know, what your perspective is. Whereas the hierophant has more of that feeling of being the glue that holds everything conduit, together. Maybe? Yeah, the conduit. Because mm -hmm. it's both bringing something outward, like in the teacher aspect, but it's also looking inward for that which to bring out kind of right. thing, I guess. Yeah, what do you think about like the symmetries between them? I mean, in the sense that the star, whether you're talking Thoth or Rider Waite Smith, always has, you know, those pouring out through one side, pouring out through the other, you know, and then you have the two acolytes in the Hierophant. 
What do you make of those? I'm not sure what to make of the acolytes, honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> in this case, anyway. Here's, here's a thought that I have. The, you know, with the star, she's literally holding what she pours out, one in each hand, whereas there's a separation between the Hierophant and the Acolytes. I almost feel as though with the Hierophant, you take on the role of a teacher who doesn't necessarily have direct contact with those people he's teaching. Mm. The way your art goes out there, you don't necessarily know what people receive and learn. Whereas with a tarot deck, there's almost like a literal hands-on connection. Mm-hmm. You know, people That's are, true. you know, physically handling them. And in that sense, there's a link to the creator of the deck with every reading. Yeah. And that would be similar, but different to the link that occurs between the artist and the viewer. Yes. On just the piece of art. Yes. I see that too. Isn't the attribute, the single letter attribute of the star, imagination? I think it might yeah, be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And is it hearing for the hierophant or Ooh. speech? I can't quite remember. I don't I use know this that as there's much. been some discussion around the senses and which exact, you know, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> how it's corresponded to. Uh, we, there's been some differences about that. In different writings that I've ran across. What about where does Taurus fall in your chart? I see. I see. Bottom of the chart, fourth house cusp. Yeah. Wondering if the the Hierophant has some sort of bearing on fourth house matters as well. Yeah, I don't know. But one thing I was thinking is that, you know, Aquarius, the star, the ruler would be Saturn. And Uranus, depending on how Mm -hmm. you look at it. And so, you know, for me, tarot is a life's work, and that's Mm -hmm. very Saturnine. Uranus is also innovation, and I have tried to bring some of that into it. Um, Absolutely. Whereas, you know, Taurus, its ruler is Venus, and that's definitely the planet of fine arts. So. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the biggest differences between the star and the Hierophant is just that the difference between sort of innovation and tradition, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I see that little bird on the star as being, you know, you and your prophetic voice, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the uh, the things that you hear that nobody else hears, uh, whereas the Hierophant being um, representing working from the received text. Yeah, that level. makes sense. Yeah. You know, and the fact that they're both fixed... I think in some ways, I think may indicate that these are both kind of long-term maintenance projects, right? You mm-hmm. know, that you kind of are have the stamina to go the distance, but also that they might sometimes be in conflict square to each other. <laughs> yes, that's exactly true as, as it has been, but that's something I'm trying to get past, that one has to preclude the other. Right. And as for the little card, you know, as for prudence, I sometimes think of minor cards as giving us a little bit of a break, you know, from yeah. from the big stuff. And it's sort yep. of like, if you can't be in that intense headspace, you know, with the star and the hierophant, yeah, why not go do some leather working or something? Yeah, <laughs> you know? or right. Learn more about paper crafting or whatever it is or whatever it is that's calling to you at the moment. I, I often find that, you know, for me, certainly working with, with fabric is just a way to turn off my brain for a couple hours. 
Now, isn't that card also associated with sewing to some degree? Well, Eight of Swords is. Eight of Swords is, but not the Eight of Not discs. the Eight of Discs. I don't think so. It's the, I thought the, that there was one of the um, significations that... The Picatrix? Something. Yeah. Yeah, Picatrix sure. in Eight of Swords has the woman who is skilled at needlework. And okay, of, yeah, it must be the one I'm thinking of, the, but this is Eight of Discs. Yeah, Eight of Discs has the young woman who is in, like, ragged clothes sewing oh, right. and yep. planting. Um, yep. <laughs> who we both relate to. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. I, I really love love that image of the young woman in, sometimes they say she's wearing white wool or something like that, but something, you know, not fancy. That idea of youth and beauty being in service to something, something that is not the self, which is mm. very much of the card. I do wonder if that last one will mean more that it's, you know, like you said, a relaxing way to get away from the more heady, high stuff into mm-hmm. just the crafts, or or does that mean it'll be dull, dead, boring? <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess it depends on the context in which you take it up. I mean, I think... yeah. Right, you know, as soon as it gets boring, you have so many other you can things. Move to on do. to something else, yeah. You absolutely could. I mean, nobody can be literally prudent all the time. <laughs> nope. I also Yeah, that's a double mercury card too, so it kinda makes me think of yes. one of the crafts that I like to make is make is um like journals and books, handmade mm, ones. Yeah. Sewn bindings and Stuff that like seems that. very much of the card, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, even the way that he's got his apron tied up and back reminds me of a book binding. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> kind of, you know. All right. So what else would you like to know about? What's your follow-up question on this? I suppose it would be so maybe for each of these things, mm-hmm. something about the way to connect with people over it now that you know yeah like this podcast has been great because I've connected with so many people through it Mm -hmm. and I don't really unlike probably yourself or most people I know I don't really have that many avenues anymore for connecting with people right Uh, you have your bringing things out to the world and connecting with people both because of the pandemic and because of my I don't know kind of social media avoidance and Mm -hmm. all sorts of things, but uh, like how to reconnect going forward. Yeah. In some way with the world. Yes. All right. So I'm going to draw one card for that. I think because no matter what you do, I think it's the same nature of the question, you know, how you connect with people Mm. for any of these. So I'm going to see what we get. Got a card right from the middle here. And it is, ah, the hanged man. <laughs> Big cards, <laughs> Mel, man. <laughs> wow. In other words, you're not going to connect. Just go off into your own friggin' world. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it is very much doing your own thing, of course. But I kind of think people will come to you. Hmm. because well, That's of, interesting. Yeah, just All because. All the way down here in the Shire? Well, <laughs> I I mean, not necessarily. Maybe Gandalf will knock on the door. Uh, I don't know if this means physically, but 
that sense that people will be attracted to knowing more about you, knowing more about your work and reaching out to you in whatever way they can. I mean, I would, I would expect more of an uptick in just traffic through your site because of people wanting to find you that way if they can't find mm. you other ways. You know, the hanged man in particular has that sense of, first of all, like we said, doing the thing that is just the way you do things, you know, um, just for yourself because you see the value in it. And I also think, you know, one of the things you've said to me in the past is that, you know, being relatively apart from the social media world and the internet and all that gives you a kind of mystique, <laughs> you know? And I think the hanged man definitely has a mystique about him. Yeah, that's true. You know? Another thing that crossed my mind about the card there is, you know, the themes of sacrifice that yes. are associated with the hanged man. Well, you know, it might be that there's some sort of hurdle or sacrifice to overcome it's not that i'm gonna rush out and go onto social media because i'm not mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. um more like you know you have to give something up to bring in something new that is true i mean i think in all the stories you know especially your odin myth that you illustrate so beautifully in tabula mundi you know the the hero goes out and gives something up only because what he hopes to get in return is of such immense value is literally mm -hmm. priceless so you may find that, you know, that connection with people is at some level, you know, so valuable to you that you're willing to give up something else to get mm -hmm. to it. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm trying to sort of think about the elemental water aspects of the hanged man. And I, I sort of feel like, you know, it's not like you need an increase in your psychic powers, Mel. <laughs> but I sort of think that that might be part of it, you know, reaching out to people at an unspoken level. That's I don't interesting. know, or dreams or something like that. There's, there's something about this that is about, I don't know, your uncanny synchronicity thing that seems to surround you. And that, that yeah, may it could be just active. biding time, and when the time is right, you know, it could be, it could be, because it's kind of a hanging out card, you know. It is, and it's interesting that it's on the pillar of form, which you haven't had anything, you know. I mean, you, there's the star and the hierophant were on the pillar of force, so there's something about it, like maybe it becomes the the other shoe dropping, you know, like there's the creating side and then mm. there's the receiving side and, you know, and the hanged man represents uh, the transmission of your work as if like through a waterfall, you know, and it feels very mm. natural to disseminate down into the world at that point. Oh, and the other thing is that I can't help but think of the fact that the star is the dweller between the waters, you know, ah, and the hanged yes. man is the water. Yep. You know, it's almost like the star is this liminal space, whereas the hanged man is allowing yourself to become saturated and, you know, immersed. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's interesting. But uh, but But above all, I do see, you know, 
you doing what you're going to do with this card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, for a limited amount of cards, that's a lot of majors. So yes, that is 75% Some of it's versus beyond my control <laughs> versus the normal 29%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing, you know, that's another thing. I think there's going to be a demand for your presence in some way. You know, I mean, who wouldn't love to have you come speak in person somewhere? But in order to do that, I think there would be a sort of like Jungian sacrifice of the ego, you know? Yeah, for the, sure. <laughs> the need to like... Especially for me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, I think that there is like the killing off the self-conscious self in order to yes. be able to do that. Yep. Yeah. Because I think it'll be out there for you whenever you want it. It's just a question of if you ever want it. <laughs> that is true. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> That's right. Interesting. Well, Do you have these days um, a meditative practice? Uh, say you, that again. I didn't are catch you, are you. Are you continuing a meditative practice right now? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I have a morning and an evening oh, practice. Oh, that's fantastic. That I've been, knock on wood, very devoted to. Mm. I wish I could say the same, but I totally cannot. <laughs> Things just too busy for you? Well, you know what it is. That's the thing. I mean, right, the busier you are, the more you should meditate. But yeah, I haven't been able to figure out how to do that. I think it's partly just the adjustment in the household now that my husband's home all the time. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm I'm such a reactive person that I react to everything that's going on around me instead of sort of just um, digging down into my own world like I normally do when the house is empty. So I have mm -hmm. to learn to do that. All right. So what else would you like to ask about here? I suppose, you know, just in the inter interest of, you know, not making this too long, one more card that would just be general advice mm -hmm. to make it all happen the way I wish it would. <laughs> yes. Yes. To sort of stay in the path, right? <laughs> yes. What do you need to know in order for all of this to work out as you wish. Uh, before I draw it, in your sort of when you envision this, what is the sort of optimal outcome look like to you in your mind? That I create this deck and make it through the deck and walk without breaking that. For, that's the first step and um, mm -hmm. create it and have it come out so that I am happy with it. Mm -hmm. And then as far as the fine art stuff comes that I find the time and energy and inspiration to do it and then mm -hmm. I'm happy with it. Yeah, that seems completely reasonable. All right, let's see. I can't tell which one. It's this one. I had a card in my left hand and a card in my right and they were both talking, but I think it's the one in my left. Ah, nine of pentacles, nine of discs. So that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Lord of Gain, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, okay. I wasn't thinking in terms of material stuff, but that is also <laughs> bodes well for that, for that bodes part of well. it. It does. I mean, I think you know, and you had gotten the eight of discs for the other one. Um, mm -hmm. I think that it it does speak to you know the need to have that sort of solitary working space. That's true. Um, always has been. Yeah, sort of like your own monastery garden wherever you go. <laughs> You've been spying on me. <laughs> the um, You know what's really interesting, I think, is the relationship of the bird and the star card to the bird and the nine of 
discs mm. card because in Rider Waite Smith because yeah because it's sort of like in the star car we think of that as you know maybe the bird of thoth or whatever it is or the bird singing in the garden of eden that voice of inspiration and the language of the birds but in this one it's the hooded falcon which is sort of like okay how do i how do i discipline that how do i get gain control of that exactly mm-hmm. so i mean i think there's something in here about you know trying to maintain a not rigid but structured environment Mm -hmm. to support your work that makes a lot of sense and i mean i know this is the rider weight card you're looking at Mm -hmm. but for me a lot of times falcons and hawks symbolize will and i like that uh metaphor of you know harnessing the will and directing it you know Mm, to work for you (laughs) absolutely you know i mean i think all things are possible you know, in the fullness of time <laughs> for you with that little snail there, if you have the right conditions. I do think that solving the audience thing will be a question because of the sort of solitude and occasional loneliness of the nine of discs. Yeah, story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the devil you know, right? Yes. And I love the fact that you know, this card in particular is the combination of the Empress for Venus and the Hermit for Virgo. So it's almost like you've got that creative generative force, but it, it comes out in solitude, right? Yeah, those are definitely a good combination of majors for this question, really. Yes, they really are. Venus and Mercury, you know. And the door in the hand, (laughs) you know, literally your hand as the hand of the artist opening the door to the realms. I kind of like that. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. It's definitely some good thought to chew on. Okay. Shall we move on then? Yeah. So maybe you can talk a little bit about your question while I shuffle this deck. (laughs) Okay. You've got thought there. And um, so... For me, it's also about magical practice, which has been kind of an ongoing area of inquiry and concern for me ever since I wrote Tarot Correspondences in 2018. Learning the correspondences is what, is what made me become aware of the whole world of magical praxis, really, and what was out there. And since then, I guess my magical praxis has gone in a lot of different directions, you know, I, I have this daily planetary practice, just as you do, the ritual practice that goes with drawing the card. I have my worship of the wheel, which is kind of its own thing, my relationship with fate, uh, which is something that I'm constantly thinking about and trying to refine. I spent the last year, I guess last year, the COVID year, studying the PGM, with Jack Grail and doing ritual magic uh, in that way. And that has sort of bled over into another area, which is always of interest to me, which is natural magic, you know, sticks and stones. Yes, I like that too. Yeah. yeah. I'm a mud pie maker from childhood. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Exactly. I was out there as a little kid grinding up colored stones and doing magical things with them. (laughs) Exactly. Even when you don't really know what you're doing. And then also there's tarot magic specifically, which is something I kind of end up doing without really thinking about it. You know, there's the spell work every single day. 
And then there's talismans that I sometimes make, you know, like the Eight of Wands talisman, which I use all the time. And then there's sympathetic magic, which I do based on tarot as well, which Mm -hmm. is all very important to me, but not structured in any way. So I've kind of had this scattershot approach to magic. And then, you know, every once in a while, I'll get interested in something and just read a lot and not do anything about it, like hoodoo, you know? (laughs) But um, yeah, armchair magic. Armchair magic, exactly. So, you know, I'm kind of interested in figuring out a couple of different things, like which of those is kind of going to draw more of my attention and be more of a fruitful line of inquiry for me, whether I'm going to tend more towards devotional or compulsive magic, which is kind of a spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. Whether more towards a lineage-based thing or towards something idiosyncratic and individual. I think I know the answer to that. (laughs) And, you know, and kind of what role I have to play in the magical community, you know, whether... I'm going to be an eternal student, whether I find myself taking on more of a teaching role, you know, whether I'm kind of just more of a student um, in terms of just wanting to read and research and experiment like a lab magician. So I, I don't know exactly how I feel about all these things, but I definitely feel like I'm at some sort of an inflection point and I could use some guidance. <laughs> okay, that's something to go on. We'll see if this works. This is an experiment. I was thinking of doing this spread that I came up with a long time ago, and it's actually in the book that comes with the Rosetta, but mm-hmm. I'm going to modify it for this topic. We'll have a conversation, and let's see if this fantastic sh- shakes anything loose. Oh, my God. I'm getting a tarot reading. I never get a tarot reading from anybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Either, isn't really. it? <laughs> And this is how, you know, people feel when they come to us. Oh, my God, I'm getting a tarot reading. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of exciting, isn't it? It is exciting. (laughs) I'm going to cut the cards now. I've shuffled for you. Okay, so this spread is called the Fibonacci Rose because it's based on the Fibonacci Oh, I love that spread. Yeah. So it's, you know, for those of you that aren't familiar with it or need a refresher, the Fibonacci sequence starts with zero and one, the two binary numbers. Every number that follows is the sum of the two preceding numbers. So 0, 1, 0 plus 1 is 1. So 0, 1, 1. Then the next one would be 2. Then the next one would be 3. Then the next one would be 5. And then if you were going to keep going, it would be 8, 13, 21, etc. We're not going to do all those. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll start with zero cards. (laughs) So... I have three piles of cards in front of me. Just say whether you want the one on the left, middle, or right. Uh, Middle, please. All right. So the zero card comes from the bottom of the deck, and I'm just going to set that aside for now. And then we've got the one and the one, which will be the two central cards. And these Mm -hmm. are sort of like you would say, you know, like in the the, the Celtic cross, you would say, this is it, this Mm -hmm. crosses it, or this is Mm -hmm. added to it kind of of vibe. And so you got the art card and the princess of wands. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... That is it, the art card, which is really cool because, you know, <laughs> alchemy itself, yeah. it is the card, the card of alchemy. and That card means a lot to me, yeah. Magic is an art, you know, magic is alchemy, an alchemy of sorts in this combining of of the lunar and the solar and, and you know, the, the mind and the subconscious and everything that you're channeling up into that arrow of aspiration, mm-hmm. you know, that you um, that you're going for. And what's added to that 
in this case, I think is a really excellent card to be added to it because, you know, as far as help or hinder goes, the Princess of Wands, I think in this context can only help because it's fire and passion. You know, Mm -hmm. the art card itself, Sagittarius is very fiery. And the Princess of Wands, she is that force where you take the fuel that is given into you and you consume it and transmute it into something that glows brightly. You're basically looking for that thing, whatever it is in the realm of magic, that gives you that feeling of that's what you're doing, that you're transmuting something through this fiery force. Yes, absolutely. And it it also makes me think of the fact that, you know, with the art card that I've got that Mars conjunct, my midheaven right in Sag. There's always a rocket fuel there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, maybe the first place to look is, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe even at alchemy itself. Mm, maybe so inspiration point i don't know how much you've done with alchemy but zero Mm. (laughs) that's one of those areas where i start reading you know and then never stop reading there's also something about this card here that i would say you know in the sense of it being sometimes called temperance and we've talked about how it's more referring to tempering than to moderation yes absolutely maybe some of these interests you have you know you spoke about a lot of different magical interests, but mm-hmm. which one of them will be tempered and perfected through this fire? Yes, that you makes know? a great deal of sense to me. Yes, you know, I, I often feel that temperance or art refers to the making of the personal myth, you know, of the personal legend, the great work. And I, mm-hmm. I do feel that whenever that card comes up, it does seem to come up in a particular context, you know, it always has to do with me kind of uh, discovering something that in a muse-like way inspires me and makes me realize that I don't have to just drift and dream through my days in a mundane way. And the fact that the Princess of Wands is there too. So the princess, you know, we always associate the princess with the ace of the suit and with Mm -hmm. the ace being a a, a naturally arising force rather than, you know, the invoked force of the ace of swords. We talked about that. So this naturally arising creativity or force, that's something to look out for. Like maybe whatever this next great work that you're going to embark on is going to naturally arise and you will recognize Mm-hmm. that that when it when it happens you know mm, maybe so that would be nice <laughs> at it the would. moment it's sort of like I haven't even allowed myself to think beyond the you know six or seven projects that are already contracted the or, one that puts you know. the most gas in your tank that's the yeah Juan's message yeah tiger in your tank man yep. <laughs> yes the smoking altar of the burning rose the uh, five five roses on her altar, the five senses, and maybe you'll know just by feel which when the one, you know, not that there's ever going to be a the one for you probably, you know what I'm saying? But yes, because you're a person of many interests and I know how that goes. But yes, but there's definitely but the one at a time. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. So after we, we've drawn the zero and set it aside and we've the zero obviously would correspond to the fool. Mm mm-hmm. right? So then the one and the one, that would be the magus. So these are also both cards having to do with your will in this matter, Mm. you know, your literally magic. So then these next two cards, this is the two. So we're going to draw two cards. You know, normally when I do this reading, a lot of times those two cards represent the self and the other. 
But in yes. the case of this question, so two things. One is that since this is a two, there's your priestess, right? Mm -hmm. We both often look at, I think, at the priestess as that contact with what's behind the veil, with our highest aspirations, you know, with the, the mystery of the lunar light. That's one thing to keep in mind, but also in context of the self and the other, like mm -hmm. this, we'll see how it comes up and we can see what you resonate with. But, you know, it could be literally the self and the other as in your holy guardian angel, your mm -hmm. higher self, or it could be a literal other, like another person that you get involved in a, you know, relationship on some project on, or it could just be a polarity of sorts between your experience of what you want mm -hmm. from your magical practice. So anyway, we'll just see what they are. All right. Oh, the Queen of Wands. So you've graduated from Princess <laughs> to Queen already. And the Eight of Wands, Swiftness, one of her oh decans. Oh my God, wow. Uh, so not one of her, wait, not one of her decans. Oh no, not one of her decans. No, I'm sorry. But one right. of her suit cards. One of her consort's decans. Right, but yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Her, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's oh, both that's wands. Interesting. So more, much fire, Mel. Jeez. Right. So far, you've, so far, you've got the art card, which is Sagittarius, a fire sign, and three wands cards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had you know kind of a huge onset of wands last last summer as I was getting started with the PGM thing. That does track. Let's put it that yep. way. So as far as like this being kind of like a self and other thing, just the fact that there's a court card there makes me wonder, well, is this another person? But because you, you know, you had the princess and now it's the queen, it's probably you mm -hmm. being fired up about whatever it is. And obviously what you're fired up about could be something to do with the eight of wands, which you might get a bright idea. Uh, you might be getting a message that you're not expecting, you know, um, a Merc, you know, it's a Mercury card. Yeah, You know that sometimes it can be communications and messages, whether from outside or inside yourself. Yes, because I often get that card when I am doing, you know, disseminating work of some kind, whether I'm being interviewed or teaching a class or, you know, whatever it is. And that is sort of like the vehicle through which uh, my name and image kind of go out there. And also the fact that I have this relationship with the Eight of Wands specifically where it is what I've worked with as a talisman extensively and kind of, you know, made available even. Um, I carry it on my person at all times as a sort of token of safe passage, I guess mm -hmm. you might say. So it may be sort of pointing me in that direction as well. And it's kind of interesting, too, in the context of this particular spread position being the two and it being a literal arrow, the uh, Eight of Wands, mm. you know, <laughs> you know, with the priestess and her upward arrow of aspiration. <laughs> and it's also interesting to look at then the decans for the Queen of Wands. So she's got the Two of Wands and the Three of Wands, so mm -hmm. Dominion and Virtue. And then she also has the um, Ten of uh, the, the Ten of Cups one there, yeah. right? Yeah, the, the Surrender card, I guess. <laughs> yes. I mean, all of the queens kind of have that dramatic carryover from 10 to 2. But mm -hmm. something about the Queen of Wands and the Queen of Cups in particular always strikes me as, you know, especially dramatic in some way. Maybe the 10 of Cups, I mean, you know, 10s are endings, but new beginnings. 
the two and three are definitely new beginnings being Aries, yeah. start yeah. of the Zodiac. So maybe that through this, whatever this eight of wands messaging is, whether it's your own idea or something you learn about, mm-hmm. will start you on a new fiery beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Could well be the case. I, I, I almost think with the eight of wands, Things kind of tend to materialize out of thin air with that card. So it could be a bright idea that just sort of arrives, you know, from unexpectedly from somewhere else, which is often the way these things work for me. (laughs) It's true. Yeah, you just don't know when that's going to happen. And we'll do the next three cards. So the three position, you know, with threes, you Mm -hmm. would bring in just the idea of the Empress as something that's being created as the empress is literally the the mother of all things, Venus. A lot of times with these three cards, I'll do them as past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. And we could look at them that way, but we could also look at them as just because you're asking questions about magic and your future and magic, it, we could look at them in that sense, maybe not necessarily past, present, and future, although we could bring that in, but also like what is the trajectory of what you're creating. Yes. I like this spread because it sort of, you know, focuses you on the way that we work with number in tarot, this kind of one card spreads, two card spreads, three card spreads. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's always been a really interesting one because you can do different things with it and it's a lot of cards. So it's fun. So now we've got the, the three grouping. We've got the moon, the Mm. five of cups and the empress. Wow. That's interesting. That's intense. The moon, the five of cups, and the empress. Pisces, double, triple, quadruple Mars. (laughs) (laughs) All the Mars that there is, yes. And Venus. And then Venus, yes. If you were to look at these as past, present, and future, would it resonate in any way? Like in the past, were you doing the subliminal lunar kind of subconscious exploration thing and that now you've reached a little period of yes um dryness well, or or not sh- you know like I, discontent I, in yes. some ways i think that certain things have been feeling like they're coming to an end you know not leastly this podcast <laughs> mm-hmm. you know i relate to the moon as a, a period of glamour in some ways, an illusion, and that that being dispelled by the five of cups, um, and then perhaps being replaced by something that is more grounded and organic and real in some ways, but equally beautiful. That's my hopeful reading of that sequence. Yeah, Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the glamour thing, getting maybe in the past, you know, it, it, was how you originally got into the whole topic of esoterics and but now you're kind of searching for where the juice is again yes Uh, and you know if the card of the future is the empress that bodes pretty well because you know it certainly does creation and love itself i mean that does speak a little bit towards making things that you consider beautiful it could be connection to earth magic, like you talked about natural magic a little bit. Yes, yes. And loving connections, I mean, which of these things brings you that sense of loving connection? The yes. juice that's missing in the five of the cups. And also in juice. the five of yeah. cups there, we've got, you know, in the Rider Waite-Smith card, 
and in Tabula Mundi too, I think there's three cups up, mm-hmm. two cups down, or vice versa, however it goes. And so the Empress would be the three cups that are still standing. Yes, you know. Yes, I love that. I think that's absolutely and, right. Yeah. You know, I know you, and I know that you do a lot of things, and that you've been burning the candles at both ends for mm-hmm. a long time. That's you know, true. and so there might be also some of the sense of like giving some things up in order yes. to go with what's more fruitful. That's absolutely right. I think it's it's always hard for me to choose because, you know, the more I do, the more I do, right? Everything sort of feeds into each other mm-hmm. and um, and it's hard to know kind of where to stop. Well, the moon and the empress have their own connection, right? In a way. Mm-hmm. You know, she's such Pisces. a Pisces. Venus planet. is exalted in Pisces. Venus is exalted in Pisces, exactly. And I've got the Pisces rising thing going on. But yeah, I think that, you know, the moon is, is fructifying in some way, but it's the Empress's job to give birth. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. The, I like that. The gestation and the birth on either yes. side. Yes. Yes. And in between, there's a lot of pain. <laughs> Yes. In all that Mars, something has to be cut away, I think. Something has to be cut away. In order for something else to grow. That's one thing that I I have thought about a lot over this past year in terms of, you know, isolation and also in my creative life. You know, there would be times when I was just feeling down or depressed or worried or anxious and and what I found I would do on those days often was I would look for something to take away from it. You know, I would like, I've been writing poetry, which I haven't done in years. And I would feel like I needed to complete a poem in order to have something beautiful to take away mm-hmm. from that difficult situation. And I, I sort of feel like that moment where you have that bittersweet feeling of having passed through something that was quite hard, but then having something that's beautiful, you know, death into art Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of it is very much of the nature of these cards to me. Yeah. That kind of speaks about the, you know, the whole cups um, trajectory, you know, sacrifice and and redemption. Yes. Yes. Even in the Scorpio cards, this five of cups, you know, is, is the first of the Scorpio and with all that Mars. With but all it's that leading Mars. towards the six, you know? Right. Pleasure. Yes. I mean, I often think of, you know, we've talked about the little empress and, you know, and um, the little priestess and so forth. I kind of think of the five of cups as the little tower, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got the sure. moon and the little tower and the empress there. Yep. Yeah, that, that really does speak to me. The next cards will be five for the five senses. So mm-hmm. you could look at them as mm-hmm. the five senses, which I associate with the Hierophant in some ways, the, you know, the four elements and the fifth element, the five senses that. Yeah, it could be either five experience senses in the material world of Taurus mm-hmm. or matter plus spirit. Yep. Yeah. So I'll put those out now. We can discuss what we think each sense goes with each element because there's different ways of looking at that. Mm-hmm. But I generally go with the first one as card as being sight. And when I think of sight, I usually correspond that to fire, you know, things that in general are known, things that are conscious, that you're conscious and aware of that, you know, are foremost in your mind kind of. And the card that came up for that is adjustment. Oh, wow. That's that's interesting. interesting. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it could be that one thing that you're well aware of is that there needs to be some balance in your life. You know, it's the Libra card. It's oh, sure. Yeah. The, the card of adjustment and, um, mm-hmm. you know, that whole Libra Saturn thing, you know, um, I mean, Venus Saturn dance that goes on with, with, um, Saturn being exalted in Libra or, you know, in order to do your best work, you mm-hmm. have to massage things into place somehow so that it, they're balanced. This is know? absolutely true. And, you know, I often get justice or adjustment. One of the primary meanings for me in my life is editing work, whether it's sound or words, you know, just having to perfect and balance and measure and weigh. And of course, you know, in my sewing life, there's nothing but measurement. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's definitely a function that I, I feel I'm very aware of that is a big part of my sort of conscious life. And it could also be just you mentioned the sound waves like this card, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. has a lot to do with the, the, the sound stuff for for whatever reason, even though this is in the position of sight. But it could mean that you're, you know, definitely going to be continuing to do broadcasting in some form, whether it's yes. speaking on other podcasts or starting a new podcast or whatever it is that you decide to do, you're aware of that that being a part of your life. Or it could just be that you're aware of that you need to balance things out, like that Five of Cups was trying to say, you know, Mm -hmm. something's got to give a little. Yeah, I like the idea that, you know, that sound might be a part of it, because it very much is. You know what Randy got me for my birthday? What? He got me a frame drum because he's really interested. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's interested in uh, the music of the Middle East right now. And, you know, I was like, what do I want a drum for? You know, but then... Shamanistic uh, journey. Well, yes. And I also started, you know, learning some Arabic drum rhythms. And, and it really ignited something in me that's been asleep for a long time because I do have an extremely strongly developed sense of rhythm just from having been a musician for a long time. And it definitely felt like... Oh, you know, this is awakening the inner equilibrium. <laughs> awesome. So that was kind of interesting. And music That's is cool. just generally a, a big part of my life. So. Yeah, the beats and dance with this card. Like, yeah. I could see something coming out of that kind of ecstatic um, mm-hmm. trance deal mm-hmm. as, a, as a form of magical practice. Yes, I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah. So then the next card is the one that I normally associate with sound. Mm-hmm. So what you hear, and you know, you could argue, well, sound moves through the air, so this is an air card, but I would say I would probably associate more with the ether mm. than the air because I like to do smell as air, personally. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So sound would be, in this case, what you hear, mm-hmm. and what you hear I look at as it can be both what you hear as messages from other people or it could be just messages that are the voice in your own head kind mm-hmm. of thing, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, the card you got here is the Seven of Cups. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a great card for magic. Yes. You know? Even yes. though it's Lord of Debauch, we right. both know that. It's also a card of visioning, uh, you know, whether it's whether it's artistic visioning or scrying Yes, seeing what isn't there. Magical looking Mm -hmm. at things. One of the things on my bucket list, and this probably should go under taste, but I do want to explore psychedelics. (laughs) Ah, yes. But, you know, which is very much of that card. Debauch, sort of. (laughs) But I mean, you'd be doing it as a sacrament rather. Yes. 
Yes, yes, exactly. I, I understand. Yeah. yeah, 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 and seeing what visions arise with that, like maybe even com- in combination with the drumming. Then the next one is the uh, smell card, mm-hmm. and this one actually is a good one for here. I think it's the Two of Swords mm. because first, you know, that obviously it's airy. air, yeah. airy, very airy. It's not only the um, card that uh, it, it goes kind of with the adjustment card that you got, but with smell. I think of smell like as being something that you don't necessarily know, but you intuit that you yes. sense, you yes. know, something people say, oh, something smells off or con- contrary, they have a good feeling about it, you know, just something that you that you kind of aren't totally conscious of, but that you kind of maybe is simmering a little bit underneath. And it's card of the moon. This definitely resonates for me because, you know, when I do perfume work, a lot of the time, it's very intuitive. It's very intuitive. It's like, you know, I have a theory based on correspondences of what should go with what, but at some level, which I really can't even put into words, which is unusual for me because I put literally everything into words. (laughs) You know, I feel like when I'm working with perfume and with oils, I'm feeling my way, you know, towards something. And it's definitely a balancing act, you know, with the therapy and like a couple of drops of this, a couple of now I need a couple of drops of that to round out that scent and, you know, exactly. smooth out that one. Exactly. And it's a, it's in some ways a very precise process because of, you know, it has to be exactly 60 drops at the end, but, you know, but I'm constantly adjusting as I go, you know, a little more of this, a little less of that. And just sort of literally following my nose. So I, and, and, you know, and the way in Rider Wade Smith, that card is a blindfold. I definitely feel that to be the case. Yeah. 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 Maybe on some level, like just to speak on a more psychological rather than literal Mm -hmm. level, maybe on some level, you you know, the card is peace or peace restored. Maybe Mm -hmm. on some level, you just know that this question of how your magical practice is going to unfold is that it will. Yeah. And you can just be at mental rest, mental peace, knowing that it's going to unfold and it's going to come out in the mm-hmm. in the balanced way that you're hoping mm-hmm. for. Once you make those adjustments that you're well aware you need to make. Yes, exactly. There will be a sense of equilibrium again. And so we had sight, we had sound, we had smell, we had ah, taste. So taste, taste right. is the one that... I would probably associate with water, although you could make arguments for some of the others, but usually sure. water. But for taste, I think of it as, you know, when you eat something, there's a couple things going on. One is you anticipate it. You yes. know, you're like, that's going to taste really good or that's going to taste like crap. You <laughs> anticipate it. You kind of know it's coming. Mm-hmm. And then if it's something good, you take it in and it becomes part of you. And it becomes part of you. Yes. For this card, you got the star. Did I know? Did yes, I know? you did. Which is great because not only is it, you know, the dweller between the waters in like kind of the position that I kind of think of as water, but what a beautiful thing to take in, you know, yes. the star. It's kind of obvious, like, oh, do whatever feels good, whatever the passionate princess of wands wants you to do. But also, like, you will have a sense of when something is aligned with your highest aspiration and whether that's going to feel good to take in and make part of you. Um, my moon is, you know, at, like yours yep. of Aquarius, yep. and both of our moons. The moon sometimes represents, you know, habits and needs. That which mm-hmm. we needs, sort of, yes, yes, that 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 which we just require at some level. And 
to me, there's a certain like intellectual reaching out or stimulation that's, you know, yes. um, characteristic of the star. That I is think a that's real true need of all Aquarian moons is, yes. is that we need intellectual inspiration. We do. We do. Yeah. We need that sense of space and, you know, and, and it's never okay to just sort of sit and rest and chit chat. <laughs> Not for long anyway. <laughs> the last card, you're going to like this, I think. Mm-hmm. The last card. So that would be touch the sense of touch. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's almost one of the most important ones because it is touch is what you can actually hold, you know, have yes. and hold what's real, what you're left mm-hmm. with in your hand kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, you're going to get a kick out of this as being in this position because it's the earth card as well. And you got the 10 of discs. Oh, did I know? Did I know? Yep. Oh, I love it. I knew you yeah. would because that's where your Mercury is. That's where my Mercury and is. It's also the Deccan we're in right now. That's right. Uh, yep. It, it's such a um, you know what you see is what you get card. It's such a card of living in this world, you know, and no other, which I love about it. But it's also a card of legacy, mm-hmm. and you know you're you're working on building your magical practices, and although I know it's partially for your own spiritual benefit it's also to leave a legacy you know for others absolutely everything i do things that will last like your your books and stuff you know i've always felt that because i do whatever the hell i want that it really has to justify itself which is why all my works live in the marketplace at some level Mm -hmm. you know Right. Yes, I know. Yeah. I'm well aware yeah, yeah, of that yeah. feeling that you have to make a living. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing I do that's kind of just for, you know, pleasure alone in a way, because it's all pleasure and it's all business all at mm-hmm. the same time. Fascinating. But as yeah. to what you have mm-hmm. and what you hold and that being in the, the position of that, I think that's a great card. Like it just I shows love it. that yeah. you're building towards something very tangible and that will be a good legacy. I feel really pleased to see that, you know, not only because it's kind of home base for me in a way because of my Mercury placement, but because I I see it as the point of what I'm driving towards, right? (laughs) To have something to give, to sell, to share, to build community with. I'm assuming that this is the last card of the spread. It's kind of a fitting last card of the spread. Well, it's actually not because we drew the zero card. (laughs) Oh, the zero card, right. The one we put aside to the end. Right. What does that position usually signify? There's two ways of looking at it. You could look at mm-hmm. that as the fool, the ultimate generator of it all, I guess, the void. Mm-hmm. Or you could look at it as the sixth sense, the message from your higher yes. self. Yes. Kind of or both. Ready for it? <laughs> okay. I'm going to wait. Is. I need to hold on to my Labradorite. Okay. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, it's the Knight of Discs. Oh, well, that's me, right? Yeah, yeah I know. That is you. So that's that very me. interesting. You've that's got your, uh, your solar decan in uh, his uh purview. Yes. You know, it's funny. I, I don't always identify with him so much. I tend to identify with the Queen of Swords where my Mercury is. I know. He's is, not as sexy but, as some of them, but, you know. But, you know, but I do he think. He shit done. He, he does. And also my experience of the King of King or Knight of Pentacles is that there's a lot of just really great food associated with it. Oh, him. totally. Totally. I mean, I well, had the best you, meals. Maybe it's telling you to keep your strength up and keep the fuel coming in for that uh, Princess of Wands to burn up. You know, you know how sometimes when you're thinking about astrology, you don't really think about your son that much, right? Just because 
it's so much a part of your identity, you can't even perceive it. And yeah. that's kind of how I feel about the King of Pentacles, you know, the the way that I move through the world in a fairly meticulous fashion, in a verbal fashion, in a way that, you know, I'm constantly breaking things down into their little bits, you know, it's just so like part of my nature, yeah. yeah, that I don't even really think about it. But in when I think about the archetype of the Knight of Pentacles, I do recognize that he has a larger purpose in this world, which is to make sure that everybody is nourished and fed, you know, to make sure that the harvest is brought in and disseminated to everyone who needs it. You know, I think that it is important for me to kind of remember that, that that's my motivation ultimately, that it's not really about me, even though right. I go into these spaces, which can be quite glamorous or can be quite ungrounded, you know, with the Pisces rising, you know, nowadays I'm doing like nine hours of reading in three days every weekend. Wow. And by the time I'm out of there, I'm, I am floating in the sea of Pisces, you know, and yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard to come home, but, yeah. you know, but that is important to remember that that is who I am ultimately, that it comes down to service in a grounded, earthy way. Mm, to bring nourishment to the masses in whatever form. In whatever form, to gather in that harvest. Wow, Mel, well, thank you. That has been oh, eye-opening. And oh, my goodness. That's that's fantastic. Well, I'm really glad that we did this, that we closed it off by reading for each other because, you know, readings, we do a lot of theory here, and this is the applied end of things, you know? Mm -hmm. and uh, And we've read for everybody else but us to this point. So it's nice to be able to kind of close the loop that way. And neither of us got the tower, so <laughs> we didn't even... No horrible cards here. Nothing horrible and unfortunately not much phallic imagery either. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> <sighs> so... I guess this is it. And um, we will be not returning as a, a new episode. However, Fortune's Wheelhouse will continue in terms of being alive and available for everyone who is still learning about esoteric tarot. And I know many people like to re-listen to the episodes, which is terrific. That will still be there for you, as well as the Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy group, which is open to all. So we hope that your journeys into esoteric tarot continue in the post-podcast era, and we look forward to hearing from you in whatever way uh, you wish to communicate with us in the future. Thanks, everybody.